Hey guys! The internet connection on this week's episode is a little bit choppy, so I wanted to apologize for that right off the bat, and I hope you stick with it, because it's really good conversation about the Cincinnati Reds team that finds itself in a very interesting predicament at the moment. My guest this week is comedian Mark Shalafu, one of my old comedy buddies from when I lived in New York, and there's a little moment here where he transitions from talking about a certain Cy Young uh, winning pitcher who is currently on baseball's administrative leave list, if that clues you into who we're talking about. So he transitions from him to a hitter on the Reds, the current Reds team, who is like actually interesting, amazing, and an awesome person. The exact opposite of he who shall not be named. And anyway, the audio cuts out just as who he identifies who that hitter is, and you should be able to guess from the context clues, it's Joey Votto. So just wanted to make that clear, so when that drops out, you'll know who we're talking about. Anyway, hit the twit music, here we go. Did you ever think you'd get to the point about maybe a month ago where you consider a one nothing win over the Pirates to be the most dramatic and exciting victory of the year? Finally turning things around. This is the hey. moment. <laughs> it's not, um, gosh, because we're like hanging in there by the skin of our teeth. And it's one of those things where you have to take any good news that comes across your way. So. A one nothing win over the Pirates is, you know, good as gold right now for us. Yeah, it was it was uh, a nail biter by the end too, and they brought in Gibbons to try to close it out, and then he walked. It it really felt. I I turned it on around the seventh inning or so, and it felt like a game where when a team is really just barely hanging on like that, you you score the one run and you think, okay, just got to get these nine outs, and they're the most nine impossible outs you can imagine, and it's it's the, it really had that feeling of it's gonna be smooth sailing till the ninth and then it's going to be hell on earth and they might blow it. So, I mean, that's been the story for how many games for us. Like we always, our bullpen is such a dumpster fire that that's what happens. It's like, it looks like we're going to be successful in today's baseball endeavor. And then you get to that bottom third of the game and you're like, Ooh, this Mm -hmm. is going to go sideways fast. When you've got a bullpen like the Reds do this year, do you really wish you could kind of go back in time and like train a couple of these starters to conserve pitches so they can go seven or eight instead of five or six innings? Spend a little and a little bit more relief help. I mean, the thing is, when you're a small market team, your window is just so small to succeed. So when you have a good team and in a good moment, if you're gonna, if you're going to like dine out on that winning season for the next few years, you, you as pieces fall away and you rebuild, you don't want to pay guys. I mean, you know, the Reds may get swept in the first round of a playoff series, but then that kind of gives them a lot of leeway for the next four or five years. So if you have a team, you really need to, to spend that extra piece. So the fact that they didn't. And everyone sort of knew that the bullpen could be a problem. And the fact that it just has been a problem and continues to be a problem. I know they tried to make a few moves at the deadline, but still, like, it's not enough to kind of fix the one thing that we knew was going to hold us back all year. And here we are in the moment of truth. And it's still the thing that is 
giving us complaints. Yeah, let's uh, jump into that after the show last year. This is Three Strikes Are Out, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 88. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports and Baseball Prospectus and stand-up comic. The other voice you were hearing is friend of the pod and fellow stand-up comic Mark Shellepu is back to talk about his, until this week, playoff-bound red legs. Uh, Mark, good to see you again. Yes, I hope this appearance goes much better for me than my last time. <laughs> I do need to say that. Yeah, at, uh, at, if, if nothing else, uh, there will be no mention of a certain former Cy Young winner. In fact, the only Cy Young winner in Reds history, if I remember right. It's one of those things where I got so swept up in the momentum of like, this guy's having a great season. We've never had a Cy Young winner. This, this could really be something. And I started my career out of college in sports talk radio in Cincinnati and one of the things I learned early on is like, sometimes you just take an opinion and you stick with it, right? Like, you know, we know that as comedians, like you might have something and the crowd is like not vibing with you and you, you don't just give up. You don't let them win. You dig your heels in and you're like, no, I'm going to take this all the way. I'm going to take this the distance that you gave me a few outs too. You were like, well, he's great on the field, but not often. And I was like, no, he's great all over this guy. And, Boy, I don't think I've ever had a take age so poorly, so quickly than stumping for that guy. Like less than a year later, here we are. And yeah. you can't even say his name in, in decent baseball settings. But uh, yeah, like, I'm, wow. <laughs> I, I am, if nothing else, a giver. Uh, it's, it's what I do. Uh, and I will give this to you as well. It, it is, I mean, it is your bad take, but it was also the bad take of guys like I don't know, Jeff Passan, Ben Lindbergh, Travis Strachuk, Strachuk, guys who have written, like, book contracts entirely around a certain now Dodgers pitcher on the suspended list. So, I mean, Len Casper, Cubs ex-broadcaster, his Twitter feed was all about praise for, for, for that guy. And it's, it's the kind of thing that if you were plugged into baseball Twitter, especially any woman on baseball Twitter, you knew, okay, this guy is bad news. But, like, mainstream sports media does not listen to especially women on baseball Twitter. And this is the result. And uh, it, it, it's, it's truly really wild. Yeah. Like, if you're just a good player and you have, like, a little bit of a fun personality, like, in interviews with the press, if you're a little bit different, guy must be awesome. He doesn't care if people celebrate, that sort of thing. Um and that just masks you being a terrible person off the field because all we know is like, you know, your play and then what you say in front of a TV camera for the most part. And that's kind of all we get from you. Yeah. You, you talk to the press and you can, I mean, you especially befriend certain influential members of the press and you get labeled as quirky or as someone who is unconventional or willing to challenge baseball history. And now nah, it turns out just piece of shit. Like, yep. Totally yeah, yeah. And it's, it's. I mean, baseball history is also littered with that. I, I, I'm Kirby Puckett is a name that pops into mind of someone who could not have been friendlier to the baseball media of his time and someone who was universally praised as an incredible teammate. And turns out, in the end, nah, was covering up if the fact that he was also an abusive piece of shit. So it's, it's like so many aspects that the, the power keepers that cover the game are the ones who write the narrative. And sometimes that narrative is really wrong. So Yeah. But you know what? I'm, I like going out on limbs, especially on this program with you. <laughs> I am going to, you know, take this moment to highlight another person that 
goes against the grain sometimes. Fun personality, different, great play on the field, but also very good with the media off of it. And just hope that this person does not fall apart in the next year. I don't think that he will. I think he's a genuinely good, interesting person. But uh, the season that Joe the right now is just incredible to watch. And you're not going to find a guy that's more thoughtful off of the field with the press. Even this long into his career, he can still surprise you both on and off the field. So he's a guy that I feel really strongly about. Like, yeah, Votto's our dude. We are there all the way. And uh, he's not going to let me down in 12 months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as regular listeners to my show, all, what, five of them know? Yeah, I am 100% Joey Votto Stan. Um, and have been that way kind of ever since I read an interview with him, maybe after the MVP season, where he talked about the fact that he's a Ted Williams guy and I'm a Ted Williams guy. So it's like, Someone who's a hitting genius in the game is into Teddy. Great. He is my guy. And Joey seems like someone who is like the polar opposite of, of, uh, of the former Cy Young winner in so many ways. That someone who is willing to listen to others and is willing to know, admit when he's wrong. Like when I remember when uh, during the George Floyd protest last year, uh, I think Bado had like, I want to say an editorial in like the Cincinnati, one of the Cincinnati papers saying that, you know, when Black Lives Matter started, I pushed it aside and just kind of dismissed it outright. And now I've actually started listening to people like Amir Garrett and have been finding out uh, belatedly what the black community has been going through. And I was wrong and I admit I was wrong and I'm willing to now shut up and listen and let you take the narrative. So you would hope that someone who's able to have that kind of depth of thought is the kind of person who won't let you down and is also, by the way, brilliant on the field. So Yeah. And it, it's been so fun as a Reds fan just to see him come alive again. And, oh, my God. You know, put together the season that he's had. When you talk about a dude, because some people have written Votto off and he's still a good player. I know, you know, his average is down a little bit. He's on 260, 270, whatever it is right now. But, I mean, he's a guy that at this stage in his career, no one expected him to hit 30 home runs and – you know, really put together this kind of campaign that he has where, you know, it's Joey Votto still bangs and that's <laughs> really key to this team and, and kind of getting everybody else going. Um, so he's been fun to watch, especially from the standpoint of like the Reds don't pay people. Right. So like when you have Joey Votto, who I think should be a first ballot hall of famer. And I think by the time he's eligible, the voters will be savvy enough with metrics and numbers to know like, Okay, he was on a lot of bad teams, but he is one of the best hitters to ever play this sport. So I think he'll be safe, even if not everyone shares my opinion. But I think when we get there, we'll all, you know, see that I was right. In that respect, we we paid a ton of money to, for one, and, you know, in his later being able to put together and still have that excitement to try and reinvent parts of his game and when something's not working have the discipline to figure out why that is and to see if there's something he can do different with his approach. I mean, like if you like watching baseball, he is everything you could want out of a franchise player. Mm -hmm. it, what's fascinating to me about this year in particular, because it's, it's been a joy to just want to tune into Reds game just for the Joey at bats again, like, like it was in 2017. Like he's, he's that exciting to watch again as a hitter. But what's, what's really interesting to me is that, 
the year where he's kind of decided to completely sell out for power and sacrifice a bit of the on-base and a bit of the batting average is, oddly enough, it's made people realize, step back and realize that he was a such a great all-around hitter in previous years that he is now, like, automatic, almost considered an automatic Hall of Famer. Like, this is the first year that I can really remember, like, people in the media outside of Cincinnati, anytime they bring him up saying, it's future Hall of Famer, Joey Votto. Like, that would happen, like, occasionally for people in the know in the past, but this year, it seems like everybody's saying it. And it really took that stretch where he had the home runs in seven consecutive games and that just insane August. Uh, and by the way, I have seen four Joey Votto home runs in person this year, and I haven't been even in the same area code as Cincinnati. So that's how good he has been. Uh, yeah, that's great. I've gotten to see a few, but, you know, I live in the same town, so it makes a little bit more sense that I've gotten to see some of those Votto home runs. And you're right. Like, it's crazy to me that, you know, we're not even that many years removed from Marty Brenneman complaining about him taking walks. And it's like the guy is getting on base more than anybody else on this team. And, you know, you can't get mad about him taking a walk. Like, what in the world? I know Marty Brenneman's very old um, when he <laughs> said that still, too. But, um, yeah, so I think the people that understand baseball are appreciating his career on a different level than some people were probably even five years ago. And so it's that part of me as a Reds fan that's like, man, I wish we had paid some money to have a complete team instead of a couple very good pieces of a team because you want a player like Votto to have a team that can make a real postseason run. You know, the Reds are certainly, you know, in contention for that second wild card and they can definitely make the postseason. This isn't a team that's built to go on any incredible run and be the team that you remember for generations. So it just it seems like a little bit of a bummer that like they never gave him the full team that, you know, would have made him a Hall of Famer in the casual fans' eyes. You know, you need that one good postseason run just to kind of get on everybody's radar and just to have like that nice memory. We're like, oh, yeah, he was, you know, the old Wiley vet that helped us uh, through the 2021 postseason, you know, something like that. Yeah. And it did feel like up until about mid to late August, like things had really started to click in for the Reds. And they had gone on that really good stretch of play that got them uh, into the conversation for the wild card and had bolted them over San Diego for a little while. And it's weird that right around the time where I realized, oh, my God, San Diego doesn't have the pitching to make this thing work is also right around the time where the Reds just stopped playing like that. Like, since August 16th, I wrote this down, looked at it this morning, the Reds have lost series to the Marlins, the Tigers, the Pirates, and the Cubs twice. Twice you've lost to the post-trade deadline surrender Cubs, the Janeshwi Fargus, Alfonso Rivas Cubs. Like, in, in the words of the great Fred Willard, hey, what happened? It's one of those... Things point August where it just felt like a storybook, you know, coming together where it's like, oh, wow, everything's starting to break our way. Don't get too excited, but we're on a hot streak. We're catching the Padres. The Cardinals are still seven games. Maybe it was only three edge on them. And it looked like everything was going to work out. And there was this real hype around the team. And it was a real feel-good time. And it just felt like you need to end the season now. You know, football's coming up. It'd be nice to just, like, here's the end. And it's like, we still have a lot of baseball to play. And 
it just started. You can't, if you're going to be a winning team in September, you know, and be a team that earns that last playoff spot, you can't, like you said, you can't lose two series to the Cubs. That you just can't, you can't lose a series to the Marlins. They dominated the Marlins in mid-August. I was at one of those games and watching mm-hmm. one of those Joey Votto homers. Um, and then so then to, to lose that next series to the Marlins? Are you kidding me? Especially when it's crunched. The things that made us optimistic was you looked at the rest of the schedule for the Padres and for us. And it's like, you know, look, we play the Marlins. We play the Cubs so much. This is going to be, this is ours. We're a lock. Like I know that some of the media people, especially on sports talk here, we're starting, they just, you know, we're in the postseason. It was just a done deal. There were guys that, you know, made bets with other radio hosts. And they, you know, I bet you, you know, a couple of cases that we'll make the playoffs and stuff. And they paid up on those bets. They were like, this is it. And everyone's like, like jinx are really starting to sweat things out again and it's like man we it just it, it sort of blows your mind that things are unraveling the way that they are yeah it, it's one of the maddening things about baseball like any team that's you know good and contending down the stretch you're almost definitely going to have just because teams get hot and teams get whole, cold like a few series against like even bad teams where you just go why did we lose this why didn't they play better and it's just baseball like that happens in like increments of like, you know, six, maybe even nine, 10 games at a time. But for an entire month, when you have it, as you say, set up schedule wise as good as you can, like that is just maddening after a while. It's, it's, it's like, don't you understand? You're you get to the home stretch. This is what we need. We're going to bang out some more wins over these garbage central teams and we can't. It's, it's just like sand slipping through your fingers, but you're, you just can't quite pinpoint it either. You know, like it's not like the bullpen's significantly worse than it was in August or like, it's not like one of your stars is like magically, you know, like Joey Votto got hit by a bus or Castellanos <laughs> broke both his legs or something. You know, it's not something that's so easy to, to put your finger on. And, you know, Winker comes back, I guess it's Maybe, you know, breaks here and there and it's compounded the point you're like, you know, nine games you're in a cold spell or, or some bad breaks, but now it just sort of seems to be the entire opposite feel that we had in, you know, a lot of July and August where everything was sort of playing out the way that we needed it to and the Padres game moves to really kind of uh, make a strong play to overtake us and the schedule set up perfectly for it in July and August. Joey Votto still smashing home runs every other day. It was a great time to be a Reds fan. And now it's just sort of the opposite feeling where fans in the city are so quick to embrace that loser mentality of like oh here we go again another Cincinnati team the Bengals fumbled in their you know playoff game in the last minute you know the Reds choked right down the stretch and you know the the Bearcats got bounced out of the NCAA tournament in the first weekend to a much worse team like there is that mentality that is pervasive in Cincinnati sports and when you had a fun team like the Reds in July and August 
it kind of felt different and new and we're not used to the Reds even being in that position necessarily. Whereas now that they're still, they're still very much in contention. It's still a very good baseball team that could quickly turn things around because they still have some games against teams that are not that good, but fans in the city are so quick to go right back to that status quo. Of like, Oh, woe is us. The Bengals, the Reds were so terrible. And uh, that it's been kind of a bummer to have that energy for this final home stretch. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point because I mean, I, I am, if nothing else, incredibly historically familiar with how uh, the negative vibe city and a particular fan base can sometimes impact a team when things are starting to slow down and struggle towards, towards the uh, home stretch of the season that, you know, might, might've happened a couple of times in Cub history pre- prior to 2016. And even, you know, honestly, after in 2019, that, that they had an awful spread. Doesn't matter what happened after 2016. I mean, come on. Like once, mm-hmm. once you guys yeah. got there, Oh yeah. For as long as you suffered, you know, you'll take plenty of 20. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. The 2019 is, you know, it ended obnoxiously, but it's, it's not part of this greater narrative of, Oh, woe is us. That's Oh, the, they did it. They've killed my grandfather. They're coming for my dad. They're coming for me next. Like that is all gone. The monkey is off the back and it's now, a obnoxious losing season is an obnoxious losing season. And for that, it's, it seems like small potatoes, but I am forever grateful, if nothing else, for that. Um, I mean, I talked about the Reds dying for five or six years of good, you know, good, I mean, with what the Cubs did, I mean, that buys you generations of goodwill in yep. that town, you know? You would think. Like, they can be yeah. For really going to start getting furious again. Yeah, it's it's weird that um, it my 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 kind of my angst is kind of there. There's a division kind of in the middle of it where, as regards to the team itself and especially the members, of the 2016 team, uh, uh, you know, they can do almost no wrong unless they turn out to be like awful pieces of shit like Rollis Chapman, but. Uh, but for the most part, you know, guys like, you know, the Bryants or the Rizzo's, the hobbies of the world, like they're my guys. Now you'll notice every single player I just brought up in that example are now my, my favorite Cubs are no longer Cubs, which is, uh, so on the one hand, like my, my, uh, view of the team is forever changed in, in the best possible way. My view of ownership on the other hand, oh my God, like you talk about if, a small group of people who were able to lose all goodwill immediately. The Ricketts family. Like, uh, is it, who are the Reds guys? Is it Castellini? Is that the Reds chief owner? We froze here. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just confirming what you said. Okay, yeah. Um, Like, as, as bad as it's been for, as, as you mentioned, uh, how little that they put into improving the team this offseason when it was clear that they needed, at the very least, bullpen improvements. Like, compared to what Tom Ricketts just pulled based on the fact that he didn't want to pay any of the core, any, anything close to what they were worth, like, that's, I, I would put him up against anyone in terms of just baseball ownership awfulness. 
So even let's just say for the sake of argument that it made baseball sense to get rid of some of those big guys rather than pay them enormous contracts. Let's just say that that made financial and managerial sense, which I, you know, I'm not going to say that, but let's say that that was the case. I still think there's an argument to like, you keep that core together after what they did Mm -hmm. for as long as they want, you know, if they want to go to a different team, Letting themselves or play for a, a team that's got a better chance of contending again, fine, so be it. But that's got to be the player's choice. And if they want to stay in Chicago, you pay them as much money as it takes. And, you know, you live off of that. If your guys, you should be able to watch them in Cubs jerseys until they don't want to put that jersey on anymore. An entire fan base that would still be appreciative of just seeing those out there even if intending for the winning like you did before just seeing those guys will still will cut us that ring in that season um just for that fact alone like it, it makes no sense to me that you would let all of those people go like i understand rebuilding and all that stuff and blowing things up and you know it, it's a crappy way to run a team it's a crappy way to like be in charge of a fan base and stuff. That group just seems dumb across the board because you know you pay them the money. It doesn't matter as much if they win or lose because they're those players are going to buy you a lot of goodwill that some anonymous guys almost as much or you know three quarters as much and it's you know that there's a lot of pressure on those guys to to be successful that the core wouldn't have had as much or wouldn't have felt that as much because they did have such a a great run yeah it's it's the kind of thing that those guys are legends forever in the and it's really for a certain part of the fan base i think it's going to take the separation unfortunately for us to really appreciate appreciate what we had and the realization that then another rebuild has unfortunately begun uh, in in their absence, and it's rebuild uh, hard. It, it it really strikes at the humanity uh, of the situation in an awful way to me. That um, the way I, that rooting for laundry is a great line. You know, it's 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 a clever Seinfeld bit. It's horrible as a team building and as a fan ethos. I think it's it's especially when you consider a team that really affected and impacted my life in, in the way that they did and in pretty much everybody in this fan base's life. Um, it's not about just trading away guys who are nearing the end of their peak to try to start the next run. Like they mean more to that, more than that to me. And I think to a lot of people in this fan base, and it's, it's something that I don't think even if, even if everything goes well with this next rebuild and they, they get another juggernaut like say three or four years, which would take like an incredible stretch of good luck. It still won't feel the same without those guys. And there will also be kind of the question back in my mind of, okay, like even if these guys win another world series, does that mean like three or four years down the road, we're going to get rid of them too when they become expendable and Ricketts doesn't want to pay them. So that's not a fun way to root for a team. You know? Okay. Well, winning another World Series is still a fun fan yeah, rooting yes. experience. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the next crew does; they're going to be in a tough spot anyway. Because that mm-hmm. that 2016 is going to mean so much. Broke through. Team not going to 
you know, that, that first one when they beat the Rams, that team was legendary. And then it's like, all right, now we have a couple Super Bowls, and now it's not as big a deal when Randy Moss helps you win it because he wasn't, you know, one mm-hmm. of the guys that was foundational to the breakthrough. You know, for the Cubs, it, like, I understand, okay, well, we're going to try and build up another team and you get a shot. But like you said, that luck is so rare. Like, you're counting on a lot of luck for that to work out. Whereas, like, you could just still that you had a few years ago. Like, you don't have to end that prematurely, even if it's going to delay this next iteration of what the Cubs are. Maybe it delays it by a few years, but who cares? Because you're going to get a few more years of goodwill and people being happy and, you know, thinking they're still seeing that, uh, that same crew, that same team, even though there's, you know, different players around them, uh, kind of seeing them out the door and they should have just kept that group together for Mm -hmm. as long as they wanted to be there. Yeah. And there's that sense of connection that is going to be missing if, even if things go well again, as you say. So that's, yeah, a very important point too. And I uh, didn't mean to like hijack this into, you know, Cubs talk that, uh, you know, I've been a bit bummed since July 31st. So it, it sometimes tends to happen, but uh, the segue back to, to, to wrap this thing up. So the Dodgers coming up this weekend and then the White Sox in another couple of weeks. So even, you know, with a couple of, Washington Nationals series in between that's like that's a scary schedule right now like uh are are you is is there any hope for any any cause for optimism at this point with with your guys I think there is because they the team did the team has played very well they've even won some games against teams that aren't trash Mm -hmm. um and I do think that they've got one more stretch in them and I think it would just be very 2020 win a few games that aren't the easy ones. There's the ones they're going to rack it up against the Marlins. They're going to rack it up against Detroit. They're going to, you know, dominate the Cubs for a couple of series, you know, whatever. Those are the wins we sort of counted on. So it might be a little bit of uh, 2021 Reds to, you know, get a few that we weren't counting on just to keep things alive. And also they did benefit from like, even when they were playing poorly, so we're like they're not team maybe again most inspiring cardinals team either you know so just as as good as i think the reds can play and sneak a few wins those two teams that also ground that they've in the case of the padres they didn't make any big moves when they really could have put some distance um, you know, between themselves and the Cubs, or not the Cubs, the Cardinals and the Reds, they didn't really do that either. They didn't make their move. Now, you know, as a Reds fan, is that the most optimistic story? We do pull out some games because we have talent, but also these other teams could <laughs> choke and stuff. That's not the momentum you want to take into the playoffs. Even if you buy August Reds team that's on fire, you want you know, 38-year-old Joey Votto that's blasting the ball out of the park and, you know, Castellanos, and hopefully we'll get a healthy winker as part of it. But, you know, you don't want to be limping into the postseason and relying on other teams to just crumble as bad as you are. So, unfortunately, that's sort of the position we're in right now. I hope, selfishly, that we get to see them go on another tear um, because I don't think it'll happen in the postseason even if we get there. So, 
right now I'm just trying to get to that extra baseball and then, you know, maybe you catch a miracle and you get lucky. Yeah. I mean, at this point you're there, there is no planning anymore. This is all the, okay. You've got two and a half weeks left. So if there's a time to kick it in, let's hope it's now. And that's really all you can go on at this point. But I mean, that, that's part of the, the ride you take in a baseball season like this. And especially for, for a team that's, you know, surprises you how good they can get when they're at their hottest. Uh, you know, you'll take that, I, I suppose. Uh, Mark? Absolutely. You talked about how boring your season's been as a yeah. Cubs fan after yep. late July. As a Reds fan, there was a period of the season I didn't think that they would be in playoff contention. And so the fact that, hey, it's been an interesting season and they've been entertaining to the final game, even if it's not, um, you know, going the direction we want, but they're still in the hunt this late in the season. There's not a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything uh, while I still got here? Do you have anything to plug? Fast uh, on Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, titles, any of those. And then a book called The Dad Manual, which is for sale on Amazon that I wrote with the, the joke writing team at The Dad on um, Facebook and Instagram. Dad jokes is where it's at for me a lot of the times nice. these days. So writing for them has been a lot of fun as well. So check out The Dad on Facebook and Instagram. Check out my comedy album online. That's that nice. Yeah. And being a father of three, I mean, you've got the research for, for all the dad jokes in the world. Uh, can you repeat your album title Absolutely. one more time? You've frozen in the middle of that. So, okay. It is called think fast and you can get it wherever you listen to audio. Awesome. Thanks. And uh, yeah. And wherever you listen to audio of the Reds for the next two and a half weeks, you will hear a fascinating end of the season. Either way, uh, Mark Shalafu, it's been great. Yes, thank you. I did not mess up this time and yes. curse any of my players. So this is a much better appearance for me than last time. Well played, sir. <laughs> <laughs>